0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert reviews, and so much more. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing?
1: Doing good, man. Just got done listening to this hilarious interview.
0: Uh, this interview was interesting. Uh, it is with Vincent Bennett and Tom Smith Jr. of the Acacia Strain. Um, fun fact, uh, I did an interview with Vincent on the 10-Year Continent Tour anniversary shows uh, a little while back, and the audio was unusable. Dan actually heard it.
1: Yeah, he did. Uh, I mean, if you can call that hearing it. Uh <laughs> I think I listened to about 10 minutes of it and I was like, I'm sure this was a great conversation, but there's like literally no way we can release this.
0: Actually, the funny thing is, is, um, I think I was trying to shoehorn a lot of continent style shit into there. Like as far as, you know, they were celebrating 10 years of continent. So trying to really dig back to that era of the band and trying to also parlay it into, you know, video game speak and so forth. And I just think, it was okay if I had to really be brutally honest. And actually, that's a good segue because uh, I actually tried to have Eric from the Honest Brutality uh, podcast fix the audio for us. And even he was like, yeah, this is the best I could do. Um, and even that wasn't, you know, no fault of his own. It just – I gave him basically a huge wet pile of shit and he wasn't able to, to make a miracle out of it. Um, so it was really cool though that, you know, Vincent was able to do something. And uh, someone had actually on Twitter had mentioned that, you know, we was trying to get Tom on. And, you know, he's one of the newest members of the Acacia Strain. And I was like, absolutely, like, fuck it, let's do it. And so we went to a coffee shop across the street from the Knock Loose Tour, which was the episode we just dropped uh, recently, and uh, did this interview after the one I did with Brian. And I think this was better, honestly. And, and Dan, I mean, I know you couldn't really hear anything, but I, do you feel at least like this was a better interview?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot more natural, I think. I mean, one of the biggest issues I had with – uh with, with a lot of interviews I hear with Vincent, unfortunately, is that he's just very, um, like, gives, like, one-word answers and sometimes doesn't really talk. And this one, you kind of got to see a little bit of a different side of him and actually had some, like, positive vibes to it.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that was kind of the fun thing is once I realized I was bringing Tom in and the fact that, you know, Tom is a member <laughs> that has been in the band for, I think, going on three years now. And that basically he provides a really interesting cross section of talking about the band now currently with Vincent, but also being able to talk about the band and what it meant to him as a, as a fan of the band at the time. Um, I think on the continent tour, tra- uh, Tom's picks said, uh, I was, I was 15 when continent came out. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Yeah. No, he said he was 11. I think uh, something
0: like that. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was really young. Um, so I mean it's kinda of interesting and I, I think honestly that really adds an interesting dynamic to this conversation of of being able to talk about the band from, you know, Vincent and I's perspective, like Vincent going through it, myself being pretty much the same age as Vincent and remembering the band through its career. And then you have Tom who's like kind of new to all this kind of stuff and what, you know, being in the band represents to him now. uh, And the excitement that, you know, it brings to someone like Vincent. I mean, even to the point of them talking about how, you know, them being on, you know, dieting and exercising and so forth. And I think the thing that's been kind of interesting is now Vincent's been kind of doing this uh, this dieting exercise thing for a a little over a year now. And... uh, I personally, especially from the first interview that we never used to now, I feel like he is a lot more of a positive person than I think he has been.
1: He was more jovial, like more joking around and stuff, and I mean they do say that you know whenever you improve certain aspects of your life, you like your your lifestyle that you know you will kind of cheer up and feel better about things. I don't know how that helps with a metal band as you you know want to. Be as crazy, angry as possible, but especially with a band like the acacia strain they're they're not a band that I ever associated with positivity really in any way.
0: no, I definitely think the acacia strain is a very uh You know, I'm just not even going to mince words. I think they are a relatively negative band, but sometimes I think you need that negativity to balance out and appreciate the the positivity when you have it in your life because, I mean, it's that whole yin and yang, you know, balancing out aspect of everything. And I think, you know, some of like the stuff from like the Dead Walker, like 3750 and stuff like that, like I, I think a lot of those songs, you know, there's a time and a place for it. And, you know, the Acacia Strain has become one of those bands for me that like when I go to the gym, I throw them on and it encourages me and makes me want motivates me to want to you know go a little bit harder to to, you know break that sweat to like you know kind of push myself and I guess that's for me where that negativity you know and and myself uh, not self-doubt necessarily but just maybe self-loathing at times like pushes me to be like okay like you know, I guess I'm a fat piece of shit, so like I don't wanna live like this forever and you know the, the negative side of everything and I'm gonna go ahead and like let that bring out what I want to be in my positive life.
1: Yeah, I mean that's uh No I will tell you I've I've experienced um a lot of that I was actually just talking with my wife about this about you know after a while after you give in to negativity for too long it just kinda becomes despair and then you don't even try you know so it's definitely uh inspirational to see somebody like Vincent actually trying after a documentable amount of time of him basically just like giving into it
0: absolutely so you know kind of speaking to being <laughs> kind of having a sad sad reaction to something or being miserable so uh this this past uh weekend I went and saw uh Treyu and we and I think I kind of mentioned in uh the knock loose episode that I had talked to Brandon and redid our interview. So it's kind of been very interesting that we've been I've been able to redo some of the conversations that have gotten fucked up or lost uh in the last couple of weeks. So we were at the Atreyu show <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of motionless and white girls, goth girls in front, and they were just not having anything to do with Atreyu. And <laughs> They were looking, you know, sullen and, you know, in their their pseudo court pseudo paint, like Wednesday Adams looking kind of outfits and so forth. And Brandon, you know, Atreyu was on one that night. It was really funny. Um, making jokes and all that kind of stuff uh, at their own expense, at others' expenses. It was fucking great. And Brandon, the drummer, (laughs) ends up talking about, you know, oh, it's really great to be at a rock and roll show and blah, 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 blah. He goes, except for this girl down right in the middle uh, who's been composing the longest email I've ever seen. And uh, apparently she just started crying. Uh, The venue staff gave her a towel to cry into and a bottle of water. Oh, my. not joking. Uh, I don't know how much validity I want to give to this, so take this with a grain of salt, whatever. Uh, apparently, she came all the way from Kentucky uh, to come see this show, which seems like a bit much for me. I don't think I would go all that way for that show, but that's just me. From
1: Kentucky? Yeah, it's Grand Rapids,
0: Michigan, on a On a Sunday. It uh, had been waiting in line since 7.30 in the morning. Um,
1: to wow, over 12 uh... hours. Yeah, that I, that doesn't sound legit to me. I mean, it's seven hours from St. Louis to Grand Rapids, and you know, as much as I love you, John, I've never made that drive. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I I just I couldn't see that. And then
0: apparently, this this woman had made the comment that her boyfriend back home uh was gonna kill himself. That was the text message that he sent to her. And as I was talking oh. about it with uh, some friends tonight, I go, so here's a couple of things that I, and now that I've had a couple of, almost, you know, a full week to, to digest this information, I kind of am like, you know, suicide is no laughing matter. You know, I, I've been on the other end of that text where someone sends me that text and I'm like, man, what the fuck? Like, I'm, you know, so far away and I, I, I honestly can't do anything to help you. Um, but. Whereas I at least left the venue of the show that I was at to go call this person, she just apparently was texting the person. I'm like, which I think speaks to the either how she feels about that relationship, uh, or the fact that that maybe not was what the case actually was. And then you know it made me realize I was like you know since all the emotionalist and white fans were just not really seemingly into uh, a trio I was like you do realize that basically uh, this was like 10, 10, 15 years ago you would have all looked the exact same front row in an trio show during the curse tour
1: right yeah absolutely like that's that's no joke I feel really old talking about that speaking <laughs> of, speaking of which you guys you guys kind of talked about old bands and, and the old scene and stuff but I don't want to spoil it for anybody so I'll get into my thoughts on that in the outro.
0: I guess that's as good of a plug as any to uh, get into my conversation with Vincent and Tom from the Acacia Strain. And we'll talk to you afterwards and get Daniel's thoughts on those things.
2: Untitled podcast with Tom, and as usual, nothing's working. (laughs) Thanks, John.
0: Sorry, it's my fault. (laughs) You blew (laughs) it
2: anyway. Let's try this
0: again. So, I have the pleasure of sitting across from Vincent Bennett. Here I am. (laughs) Wait, do we have to answer
2: that question again? No, okay, good. Um,
0: (laughs) I will just kind of navigate around it and re ask it later on. Just say that we argued a bunch about set lists, that sums it up. (laughs) Well, even still, going back off of the the continent 10 year anniversary tour, though. Do you feel like, you know, having put out Grey Bloom that it kind of shot that tour cycle just straight in the ass? Oh we have,
2: yeah. We never did a tour cycle for that. I think everything shot the Grey Bloom tour cycle yeah. in the ass. We did Warp Tour, came out on a warp tour, and we couldn't really play any like we put one song off of it. And we did Australia and then we did Haybreed hey and we, we did, did point, then it was Breedin all before. continent. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. all continent. Yeah, for we did an entire one, year.
3: One tour without continent since like one
2: u.s tour that wasn't more or less based, more or less much. all of last year was dedicated to continents so then we couldn't do grave bloom and now we're doing this which is like we're trying to be like a throwback so we can't play a lot off Grey bloom mm-hmm. um so i think it's just null and void at this point
3: yeah which sucks because i think it should it, it's the record deserves a sick tour cycle but you can't, you can't win them all.
2: We'll see you in ten years. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I was gonna say, do you feel like that kind of either extends the life of the record itself because people are having time, like you haven't put anything new out, so therefore people are kind of getting a chance to really sit with the record and grow with it, as opposed to it just being like, okay, now we're on to this next thing.
2: Maybe, I mean, hopefully f- for me, I, I forgot all the lyrics to every song on that record except for Bitter Pill. Like Tom suggested, hey, let's play. Uh, Played Dark Harvest And I was like Okay And then I listened to it And I was like What are the words Of this song I have no fucking idea
0: And I don't even know How to play it <laughs>
3: It was his idea And we're not playing it Yeah
2: we way. are not playing Dark Harvest
0: I'm gonna bring this up Because I went to Read the tweet That you tweeted at me And it was gone So I'm gonna fucking Call you out on oh, it Oh I don't even know What I tweeted So basically I had said You know cause you were like We're playing Car Bomb We're playing 3750 We're playing Brown Noise uh-huh. And then I was like Oh you're not playing Like aren't you gonna be Really pissed off when fans are like, no, where's all the continent songs? And then you replied, if fu- if a one motherfucker comes up, and that's all I can see oh, on my phone, okay. and then it was so, gone. So
3: what I wrote was, if one motherfucker asks us to play something off continent, go to hell or something like that. <laughs> and that wasn't in like a like a dick way of, like, you don't deserve anything. We just did it for an entire We year. played it for Where were year. Where were you?
2: Like, it's not like we missed <laughs> any spots either because we did. Canadian tour, we did a Northern America tour, we did a whole US tour we did a tour the tour tour after the burial was seven weeks long, so we definitely came somewhere near you, and we didn't go to Europe sorry, but like I mean, we did enough Continent, and we almost didn't play anything off of Continent on this tour, and we're still playing two songs off of Continent on this tour, so it's like
3: so, and I guess, I probably deleted it because, uh I don't know, you're a dick Um, (laughs) I probably, I I don't know. People get
0: pissed, and I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's really easy these days. Yeah.
0: It was really funny though, because like I had just got done talking with uh, Chris Roder from like Moths. Yes. Is the homie. <laughs> but like Moths the Flames, yes. And you know, basically he had tweeted the same thing. He's like, "Here's our fucking set list. Stop asking me what we're playing." And then when people were like, "Why aren't you playing stuff off of the last record?" and he goes, "Most of the band wasn't even in the fucking band at this point." Well,
3: that's why the other day I tweeted, like all capitals, yelling at everybody, "We are playing." Car Bomb, Brown Noise, and 3750. Because people ask for shit like that, and then when we play it, they, don't they stand care. there with yeah, their mouths open. They don't open. care. And it's like, maybe if they're prepared and they know that those songs are coming, they'll revisit them and know what the hell song we're playing.
2: But People always ask us to play songs off of 3750 without actually realizing what songs are off of 3750. Mm-hmm. They're just doing it because they want to feel like, oh, well, I'm an OG. Yeah. I've been around since the beginning, but in reality... They don't care about those songs anymore because they are old. You know, like the songs are old. I'm old. The people are old. And it's like. I
3: was 11 when that record yeah, came out. exactly. I don't give a. I, well, I do now, but I didn't give a damn about that record. So, like, when people my age are saying that stuff, I'm like, dog, I know how old you are. <laughs> like, you may. Maybe it was like your first real, like, love, but still. You, then you should be there knowing the songs and going crazy. Exactly. Those
2: are the young kids that should be. Like giving a shit. I've seen more old dudes on this tour moshing for those songs than young kids though. Yeah. So that's fun.
0: I guess two things to that one of which you I doubt you would have toured or been around when this venue was around, so Vincent probably will remember this. Skeletons. Skeletons yeah. Let's... Used to sound check the levels to the PA to that record. That was that one was... of the
2: that was one of the we played there one time and it was like the, the, the middle Syrupus. of winter. Psyopist uh Jaffer Cowboy off and see next Tuesday and it was freezing outside but really hot inside and the sweat like the condensation on the inside of the building was turning to icicles in the doorway it was fucking crazy how like the the difference between the temperatures was just like making the room swell um but it was awesome it was that that stage was way too high for people to be stage diving (laughs) off of but they did it anyways yes it was um, you know, this isn't
0: a question I had, but like just in the flow of conversation, is it weird to you? I mean, this is a perfect kind of Venn diagram of, of the kids who are coming to see you guys now. Where you know, you're saying like when that record came out, I was in middle, like middle school, freshman year of high school or whatever. Yeah. So maybe you're just kind of starting to get into hardcore, metalcore, whatever, heavy music as a whole. Adversely, I think you and I are roughly around the same age. I'm gonna be 35 in like a couple months. Yeah, so I'm old. Yeah, so it's one of those things where there is the nostalgia for me as a a longtime fan, literally, from 3750 and so forth. I am stoked to hear those songs because I haven't heard them in a while. Right? Is it interesting to you that there seems to be this new culture of people who just want to relive a a time frame that they weren't a part of?
2: Yeah, it's very odd to me because I was there (laughs) and I saw the weird shit that happened and all of the terrible bands. Like, I was talking to David from Sanction like, the first day of tour, and he was like, oh, this band's sick, that band's sick, and I'm like, no, they're not. Like, those bands are terrible. They didn't even know how to play their instruments, and he's like, I think it's just, like, kids are hanging on to something they they thought, they think is was cool, but in reality, it was just kind of dumb, you know? Like, I don't even remember what bands he was talking about, but, like, a lot of the bands he was mentioning, I was just like, what? Like, nobody liked that band when they were a band. There's no way you like them now, yeah. you know? and there's so many kids like trying to like uh recreate what happened back then like which is cool some of some of the bands do a very good job like um like vatican and uh chamber and like bands like that they're doing a great job at recreating what happened back then but then there's some people that are some bands are just missing the boat and some kids are are holding on to the wrong things i think i don't know it's really hard to explain because i was there and i under i understand like why this kind of music went away? Right. And why I don't understand why people are trying to like hold on to something they weren't even a part of. Yeah. You know? It's called progress. Like
0: <laughs> what is it like from your perspective kind of being on the other side of it that we maybe not see? I mean, I it's so weird for me because I like I
3: grew up on like metal. Like my parents raised me on like Slayer, Pantera, Anthrax, like thrash metal all that stuff so there's so much crossover of like metal bands like that and hardcore bands so i mean i first started listening to and seeing hate breed when i was nine so like
2: tom's parents are
3: very cool (laughs) yeah my parents are fucking sick um but yeah so i don't know like i feel like sometimes i'm out of the loop with people of my own age because of that and it's not necessarily like a oh i had a cooler upbringing because there's like there's a ton of bands that I listen to now that I miss the boat on. Like, I didn't listen to like, I don't know. Like, I can't even think of, of an example, but there's a lot of bands that kids grew up with and were influenced by cool shit that I missed out on. So it's kind of like this weird moment of, I should be in the loop of what a lot of like people my age are dealing with and like that fake nostalgia that they kind of have. Right. But I don't totally feel that way i don't know if i'm like even answering that question properly but no,
0: i think you are i mean in as much as you can for not be sort of being around it and the peripherals of everything yeah versus kind of i mean i guess
2: i can understand like kids hearing a band that they're never going to be able to see you know like as the sun sets or uh blood has been shed or something like that and being like fuck like i i i was born too late you know i want to I want to start a band that sounds like that because I never got to see the bands. I get that. And I get kids gravitating towards that because those bands were good. But then the, then bands that try and recreate stuff that bands, like I said, bands that no one liked when they were really a band, just because they have a record out and they stumble across it, just because they're like in like seven levels of Spotify, like you may like, <laughs> like it doesn't make it good. Um, and there's a reason those bands... There's a reason a lot of bands aren't bands anymore and didn't make it past one record, you know?
3: Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like, kind of opposite of that, too, but in the same realm, bands that, like, nostalgia doesn't, like, I mean, it's the same thing that we're saying, like, nostalgia doesn't necessarily mean good. Like, (laughs) the, I'm sorry, but the new metal bands that a lot of kids are back into, not good. (laughs) No. Like, just, I'm not going to say which ones, but just as a whole not really good. <laughs>
2: Nostalgia only works once, you know, like people like, like people our age my age uh, <laughs> they they like the bands from their childhood or from their teen years because it was their first time hearing anything like that and they were young so everything was new and everything was, everything was great because you have all this energy and, and everything is brand new and like fast forward 20 years and you're still trying to hold on to that, it's like doesn't really stand the test of time because you're not young anymore you can't relive it for the first time again so better make more memories and make new nostalgia by listening to newer bands and hearing that for the first time and being surprised and excited for something for the first time again and and people confuse like the oh music was better when i was a kid no it wasn't you were just a kid and you thought everything was new and everything was fun you know music is better now trust me (laughs) it sounds a lot better now um you know
0: kind of speaking a little bit to the nostalgia thing something i'd kind of mentioned in one of the the last time we tried doing this was somehow i got on the topic of of uh stumbling across mutual friend chris fox uh finding a lyric that carried over from one record to the next uh in a song and you had made the comment you're like oh i've done it i did it too or i've done it
2: do it all the time
0: and so extremely lazy the interesting thing is, is I started looking up the lyrics to every fucking song of every record, uh. and I found certain things that were similar, but not, at least in the way that Fox did it, where it was like literally verbatim the exact right. same thing. Uh. So it made me wonder if either I went on a complete fool's errand, and you, and you didn't do it exactly that way, where it's, it's the exact same lines, because I found a lot of similarities. Maybe
2: there's just similar. Maybe I'm a liar. <laughs> Maybe I'm a compulsive liar.
0: I was just gonna say though, in light of that. I've never
2: written any of these. All the lyrics are just I just take off the internet. I just plagiarize every single lyric.
0: Well, it was funny. I was someone was like, "How how stoked are you right now after reading you know all of those song lyrics?" I was like, "Kind of hate everybody right now, yeah. <laughs> myself included, mainly because I just stared at a screen looking for something and I felt like it's like I found concepts and themes and so forth that I think are shared across everything. I was looking." F- I feel like I was looking for something very specific, yeah. and I don't think that they're, it's there. But with that being said, I'm not going to waste this opportunity to, be, to ask. Since a lot of people won't probably take that deep of a dive to go look through your lyrics and kind of yeah. see what everything is going, if there are reoccurring themes, concepts, even shared, you know, maybe a shared universe of sorts yeah. uh, with, with some of your lyrics – do you like to do shit like that and just kind of sprinkle things in so that way if someone actually wants to take the deep dive they can find more in the music
2: Oh, of course i love i love uh easter eggs you know and i love letting people form their own definitions of what the songs are about and why i wrote them because everybody everybody listens to these songs at different points and different times in their lives and whatever they can use to hold on to i think that's that's the most important part so i just write the lyrics and i don't ex- i don't describe or explain myself to anybody because i want them to form their own ideas of what they think these songs are about because then it makes it more personal to them and especially if they're going through problems in their lives or even through happy times in their lives like they can just remember that song for what they thought it was about the first time um, as far as like sprinkling secret codes or anything and I don't do that at all I don't I'm, and it, the best thing the best part about that answer is that I don't remember what any of my songs are about so you tell me
0: <laughs> it was just kind of funny because I was thinking about I think actually to that Psyopus Chaffra Cowboy tour I think you and Fox were like super no pun intended, Lost in Lost, uh, when that was still like the new show at that sure. point. So it was just like one of those things that I was like, you know, I bet if you got some time in your hands, I bet you'd be like, and like a lost clue, I'm just going to sprinkle some shit in here. And... Yeah,
2: no, no lost <laughs> clues, but definitely like, definitely quotes from shows and I don't know, there's like Simpsons quotes in our songs, you find those, go ahead. <laughs>
0: We had talked about the the, the birds before that are on on every all the album record, album covers. Album records. I actually was trying to see if maybe there were even some inadvertently on some of the other ones. I think there actually is a dead bird on Continent on the left-hand side of the record, if you're looking at it. Okay. no clue, (laughs) probably. No idea. Do you know what the birds represent? No. It's just a a fun carrying on. I give
2: Justin ideas, and he runs with it he interprets it his own way. I don't like to I don't like to disturb the artistic process with my own opinions, so I let him do whatever he wants. You can ask him.
0: Adversely, what are some of the interesting fan theories of why they exist? I have no idea. I like to just say that we're big Portlandia fans.
2: Yeah, we put a we bird put on. Birds, <laughs> on we put birds on
3: everything. <laughs> That's like I was excited to hear what he said just now cuz I don't know what the hell the reason for the birds was but I'm like all right cool. Um, my theory still holds up
2: I was telling Tom about this band like probably a half hour ago called budgie this old 70s like rock band called budgie from Wales and they put birds on all of their records because their name is budgie and that means parakeet um and Tom asked is that why we have birds on everything and I I was like yep that's why <laughs> because of budgie we could go with that from now on then because of budgie
3: and portlandia
2: <laughs> budgie and portlandia
0: are you kind of thinking of starting to put something else out now because like we were kind of talking about the nostalgia tour basically then gray bloom not really getting a fair shake so it just kind of feels like the last like two years or so has kind of been almost a wash for you as we're just going to re-record
2: like- the dead walk in <laughs> 3750
0: I mean, maybe if you rerecord or, uh, "Sunset Clauses" up on that, I guess you could do that.
2: Yeah, we're just gonna rerecord all of our demo stuff and like stuff people always ask me about instead of putting out new music. I'm completely kidding, but you looked real serious about that, so I have to mention that I'm kidding. Uh, Tom, what are we doing? Uh,
3: Some stuff. I mean, we have are stuff. Are we allowed we're to talk s- about stuff? No. <laughs> There's guess, stuff happening.
0: Stuff. I guess the interesting kind of thing, and, and something that's been kind of a focal point on the podcast lately, is with the industry kind of being what it is now, where it's more, I guess, single-driven and kind of just constantly hmm. being out in front of people. Do you guys feel that full lengths are still a viable option as far as, for a band, or
2: no. is it more EPs? I think I think putting out records is for us is stupid. <laughs> yeah, so, so dumb. We put out a new record and people don't give a shit about it until five years from when it comes out
3: i mean i want the answer to be yeah but it's i literally the case.
2: We, we played in portland where rise records is based out of and uh, all the record label guys came out and they were like hey so uh you guys want to put out a new record and i was like i don't know do you want to sue they're like i don't know we don't care that was like the first time I've ever talked to a label. Like, man, we don't give a shit if you put out new music because it's kind of dumb. For me, I'm... Tom I'm, hasn't been on an Indication Strain record yet, so he yeah. would love to do it. I that That's what I, where
3: I'm kind of at. Like, I joined... I was filling in when Grave Bloom was being written, and then, like, a week after it was recorded, I was asked to join the band. So, yeah, I'll go to hell on that one. Um, but, yeah, for me, I want to be able to out new stuff and as i guess my pride and as a writer to be able to hopefully help write a new occasion stream record that gives people that same feeling that the old ones do i mean i'm sure that's what every guitar player before me had as their goal but i don't know we definitely have
2: ideas but it's nothing that anybody is going to expect yeah out of any band especially us yeah. Like we're with the ideas that we have and the things that we're doing right now are unlike anything we've ever done before. So basically so, we're going to put out a record that everybody hates. Yep. And that's what we want to we want to put out the record that we want to put out and if So you're going full pop like Bring Me. Yeah. There's a lot of singing on it. <laughs> yeah. I think I mean as far as like my,
3: from my perspective with this band is like it's obviously a different band than when it first started, you know. Mm-hmm. So when kids are like Asking for like the Dead Walk style stuff for like thirty seven fifty, it's like one yeah, it's just different people. But even Vincent and Kevin too, Kevin's been in the band for fifteen years, like they're different people, right. so they don't want to write the same stuff, they don't want to put out the same stuff, and me as a listener too, like when I first got into the case Train, my preference of music is completely different as to what it is now. So it's like one of those things where we obviously want to put out new music and make it be something that everyone cares about, but we also want to express ourselves in that way, you
0: know? I guess maybe before he comes back and shits on this, but uh, (laughs) do you feel an interesting sense of, I don't want to say nervousness, but do you feel like there's a lot on you to prove as the new guy that maybe can quote unquote save the band or whatever? I... I probably put that on
3: myself more than anybody else has just because most people still don't know who the hell I am. And I've been in the band for three years. Um, But yeah, like that's, I've been, me and Griffin talk pretty frequently, even when we're not on tour and uh, like about the band, like me and Devin, obviously bullshit nonstop, but like Griffin and I are always talking about the band or music in general. So for me, that's like a big thing for me to prove to at least myself, like, to put out a record that I think is as good as those and that makes me feel the way that those did. Whether that's going to translate to people listening and all the assholes who are never going to give it a chance anyway, that is what it is. But yeah, I would say I definitely put
0: a lot of that on myself. Does having this, just having someone like Tom in the band that wants to feel like he has a lot to prove to not only you but your long-standing fans does that kind of reinvigorate you to maybe have that spark that maybe you guys did 10 15 years ago that kind of going back to that sort of nostalgia thing but more just you know you're kind of talking about how no one gives a fuck about new records so why do it but does maybe having him be like man i got this fucking sweet riff and him being really oh excited um, it's definitely
2: you, awesome having someone who's younger in the band who understands like what's going on in music around us because i always have even though i'm old i feel like i always have my finger on the pulse like i have to you have to if you're in a band you have a responsibility to understand everything that's going on around you at all times a lot of people who are older just get so burnt out and so tired that you just go through the motions and write the same record over and over again it's like what's the point of doing that you know, pay attention to what's going on around you. Pay attention to the trends in music. Pay attention to the younger bands and what they're doing and why they're doing it and, and what makes people like them. Like if you're an old fart and you're sitting on your ass and you're like, Why doesn't anybody like my band anymore? We just put out a new record, I think it's sick. Well maybe people don't like it because it sounds old. Maybe it sounds dusty and tired. Like maybe you're not understanding that that progress is important. Like you need to expand and you need to understand what's going on around you and having someone like Tom in the band who listens to what's going on and pays attention to what's going on is very helpful because I mean even sometimes I miss shit you know but everybody has to be involved and everybody has to understand like why Knock Loose is big you know and not necessarily like oh we need to be like Knock Loose but understand like what's going on in the world that makes Knock Loose big, and what's going on in the scene that makes Knock Knock Loose big, and why? Yes, people are going to want to hear 3750 songs, but we can't just rewrite 3750. You know, and and why that's important. You know, you have to be you have to be proactive, and you have to move forward, and you have to evolve as a band and, and as a human being. Uh, in turn, Oop, thought maybe you had something to say.
1: No,
0: nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of slowly and wrapping up, um, both of you. Tom started doing CrossFit, I think you said, about five, six months ago? If I Uh, Yeah, November. And you obviously have uh, been on, I believe, the keto diet. I did
2: keto for a while. Um, I'm on and off it, but on it now. uh, And I've been working out also. Because I would like to be strong. That is my New Year's resolution was to get strong.
0: Interestingly enough, it seems like a lot of people, when posting photos with fans and so forth that you do, a lot of people were commenting on on the weight loss. Uh Uh-huh. For someone that I would say a lot of people would, predominantly just based on the band aspect of your life, uh, is a negative person. Sure. Does it feel good to inspire people to want to put positive change into their lives? Absolutely.
2: I'm, I'm a different person than I was like even a year ago. Yes. You know, um, <laughs> I changed a lot about myself. I changed the way I eat. I changed the way I act. I changed what I do on a day-to-day basis, and even changing the things that you put into your body will change your mood and your brain and uh, and it it motivates you even more to be more of a better person and I, I look back and I realize like I've been doing this wrong for a very long time and even like re re playing old songs that we never played before the continent Songs, I'm just like, what the fuck was I talking about? Like, why was I saying these things? And it's all metaphor, obviously, but it's like, why did I go about it in this way? And I'm not discrediting anything that I said, but it's just like, I'm a different person now than I was 11, 10, 10, 11 years ago. So I'm trying to do better by myself and do better by our fans by saying, hey, you don't have to. Yeah, sure. You can be sad. You can be mad. You could be whatever you want but at the end of the day you have to look at your life as like a you have to look at your life as a is better than you internally think it is because it's definitely better than you think it is everybody's life is definitely better than they think it is and it can be better than you think it is just by changing one or two things in your life you can change your entire outlook on on everything and and that's all it takes so i, I, f- I figure i have to i have to say something about that whether it be on stage or online or whatever, um, but it's definitely helpful to be vocal about changing what you can change, how you can change, and, and the outcome of all of that change.
3: I, I mean, I definitely, one, agree that Vincent and myself are different people from even a year ago. I think we speak, a, probably Vincent and I, like with each other the most about like what we do to try to grow personally and uh, I mean I think uh, the, probably at the basis of a lot of the stuff that I try to do to like be vocal about with fans or just with people in general is like you gotta kind of in the at the base of it you gotta get over yourself, you know like put your ego aside from everything, whether it 's like with music or even just something as simple as like going to the gym or something like it 's always some kind of underlying fear of like. Not having control or not looking cool in a certain way that prevents people from progress like progressing as a person, so for me like I try to post online that I'm like working out on tour so that other people who are touring musicians can do it too, or like people who like fitness and are worried about touring because like if they're serious about that they could see that you could do that too like I think at the base of all of it is like once you can look past your own ego and how you're view like
2: your view of how others view you you could do a lot more than you think you can and affecting change in yourself like it affects the people around you too like just by just by me being in a better mood all the time everybody in the band is in a better mood all the time I realized I was bringing everybody around me down by being miserable all the time and, and I don't want, I didn't want to do that so I have to be I have to be the positive change in myself, so I can be the positive change in everyone that I surround myself with. And in doing that, you, you, it, you get you get rewarded, and you don't even know it. You know, by being happier and by like being uh, proactive and by going getting out and doing stuff, you're rewarded by stuff that you didn't even think would happen. You know, like it just comes at you, and and. And it's worth it. I, and I'm not going to give anything specific, but, like, you definitely notice that once you change internally in your mind, the world around you changes um, and, and good things start to happen, which is crazy. It's crazy to think that karma – I don't believe in <laughs> karma or anything like that, but, like, it, it's, it's – without even knowing it, like, good stuff just starts happening to you. It's hard to really – it's hard to explain without, like, actually just doing it. There's, like, this weird
3: thing where it truly, like – it's hard to say as such a definite thing because there's no science behind it, but like what you put out there is truly what you get back. Like if you're fucking miserable all day and you treat everybody like shit or you treat yourself like shit, you're gonna get nothing but shit back. But if you can put, like if you can flip your own perspective, because that's the other thing is like you're in control of how you feel. like something that anybody could say could offend you but you could choose to not let that offend you in that sense
2: you just sit back mind your own business and worry about yourself you know like that's a big thing too
0: right yeah i don't remember i don't think i asked you this before but do you you write just constantly like uh to to just write me
2: yeah what do you mean
0: like i don't want to call it poetry but like just like a journal or just writing a journal Huh? I like journaling. I'm I big know. into that. I was gonna say, do you have you noticed? And I guess maybe you'll find out when you have to write a record or whatever. But do you notice like that it's changed how you write even? Uh, I mean, I don't have any like as far as like lyric kind of stuff because not, that's not even never that. just, me. Just I mean. I think even in journaling or whatever, like, you might notice, like, oh, I, like, you would tend to focus on the negative aspects of something in your day, like, oh, this didn't go my way, my fucking tire blew, oh, totally. world, like, or whatever, and now you're, like, focusing on completely different aspects of, of your life.
3: 100%. The reason I started journaling was because I was so miserable, and I was, like, afraid to talk to anybody about it. So, like, journaling was, like, my first step into helping myself, which then turned into, like, I don't know seeing a therapist or like getting anxiety medication which I like to be open about because I think people it's such a negative stigma when it shouldn't be but um, yeah I think journaling for me I don't do it consistently still but that was like a super important first step to me to being able to better myself and even like my girlfriend is real into like self-improvement stuff like I am and she got me this notebook that's like I, I would force myself every day to write down X amount of things that I was grateful for throughout the day, even something as simple as like a sick cup of coffee with, or like a sick conversation with my friends. Like you, When you have that in front of you, you can look back at it and be like, okay, this is what's going right versus me who thought everything was going wrong, you know?
0: Last question. We just uh, wrapped up WrestleMania two days ago two days yes two days ago all seven and a half hours of it We didn't
3: watch any of it no no nope. i only knew that it was happening because Bo from harm's way was watching it on his phone on stage <laughs> see <laughs> i i don't follow wrestling anymore so i'm useless for this question probably
0: <laughs> well i was just gonna say because they well obviously you're wearing the austin 316 uh lanyard but yeah. i was gonna say you know kofi kingston they basically rehashed the daniel bryan storyline from three four years ago I heard that Kofi
2: won, and that makes me very happy, because I've been pushing for Kofi since I don't know 2009. Um, I've been a huge Kofi supporter always, and he got buried for a while, and I'm glad that he's glad he's on, he's on top. I didn't watch it, but I'm just I'm not gonna lie. But I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm just glad. I haven't watched wrestling in fucking three years, but I'm glad that glad that Kofi's on top. The question actually
0: was gonna to end it was gonna be if you could do a theme song for anyone now that wrestling is, is so wide open with independence, AEW, and all this kind of stuff, and a lot more people kind of coming and being more vocal, you know, like a Seth Rollins, being into metal and stuff like that, if you could do a theme song for someone, who would you want to do a theme song for?
2: Ooh, I like that. I'd probably be Seth Rollins, honestly. My, I Or don't, Alice or Black.
3: I mean, mine would be just who I looked up to when I was a kid and followed wrestling, but I would love to write, like, a Converge-style song for Jeff Hardy or a Doom song for The Undertaker. Those were no always my Rock two. No for you, then. No, he'd go <laughs> to hell.
2: <laughs> also, Biggie Langston. I would write a song for Biggie Langston.
0: That would be interesting. Yeah. And uh, lastly, where can everyone find you guys online? Uh, my internet, Twitter.
2: Yeah. And Instagram. That's a
0: I was going to say that. Smith
3: underscore W-A-V for Twitter and T. Smith 678 for Instagram.
2: You can follow me on Serious XM Liquid Metal. Uh, hey, Vincent, what band is that? If you don't know my social medias, that's fine. I don't <laughs> care.
0: I want
3: followers. I want to get up to Vincent's level, so follow me. Know that I'm in the band.
0: <laughs> I, I do find it amusing that you changed your Twitter, not the handle itself, but the, the whatever the fuck it is. The, name. Whatever, yeah, I guess. The other name that's not the name.
2: <laughs> or is that going to be a new trend for every tour? Oh, I'm going to change it in a couple of days because... Uh, I think people think I'm actually Brian Garris. I think you're
3: you're a big seasonal. Yeah, I love name seasonal, guy. yeah.
0: I've had the same one for like four years. And uh, actually lastly, how is the coffee going over? Oh uh, I don't know. I think really good. I was uh, actually just
3: talking to Kurt earlier. I think good. That's that's the best update I have. I think yeah, good. I, I have a friend good.
0: who got it and they said it tasted good, so are you...
2: It's were, good. Tastes so did like Did you guys coffee. have
0: a big hand in, in making it, choosing the beans and the flavor profile uh, you
2: wanted? We had a big hand in choosing the name and the artwork. Yeah. It's
3: like my one of my good friends is, like, running the company, so he kind of had, like, this layout sort of ready, and it was like we just had a hand in how it was produced and what it looked how like. it was put out, yeah. Okay. Like the rollout of it.
0: Fair enough. We uh, are sponsored by... Uh, Nick Maruso from It Dies Today, the old drummer for that band. He has wow. a coffee company, as does everybody now. <laughs> cool. And uh, I was going to give you a bag. And Maybe if you guys had some of yours, I was going to do a swap. Sorry, we don't. Yeah, we don't have ours. <laughs> well, son of a bitch, you're going to get coffee anyway. Uh, thanks again for taking the time to do this, and uh, looking forward to the show tonight. Yes, thank you for having us, John. So that was my conversation with Vincent and Tom of the Acacia Strain in a nice coffee shop across the street from the venue. Uh, I will say my chai latte was just okay, but uh, the conversation I thought was pretty good. And uh, something we talked about in the intro that Dan wanted to talk about more in detail now that you've heard the conversation is uh, nostalgia and it being attached to you know looking back and maybe sensationalizing that thing. So, Dan, uh, I know we hint- we touched on that. We hinted at it in the intro. Go ahead and tell us your thoughts on that.
1: Well, so there was a part of the interview where you guys were talking about old bands and how people are how either new bands are trying to recreate the old sounds or, or to imitate older bands or that fans will you know kind of latch onto something that's really old and nostalgic and how they kind of just act like that was like the height of music and when I I thought that was really interesting because people do that and I think I think I've been guilty of that myself But one of the things to realize is just because something is nostalgic doesn't necessarily make it good. Just because you listen to it back in the day doesn't mean that it's good. Um, And I think that, you know, a lot of us can kind of relate to the opposite side of that. Like, look at your parents. Um, You know, for years and years and years, my dad told me that Jimi Hendrix was the greatest guitarist in the world. Um, And, you know, yeah, whether that's true or not is, you know, totally up to him. I mean, obviously it's subjective, right? But like, I never enjoyed it and I, I didn't ever enjoy his guitar playing, you know, more than like a, a modern band that I liked at the time. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways, us like 30 year olds, 30 to 35 year olds are getting very much like, well, uh, it never got any better than blood has been shed, you know, <laughs> and um, and I thought it was just really interesting hearing hearing that from from a band with the age of the acacia strain, you know, um as they they were around since the beginning of all of it. And um, anyway, to get more specifically to my point, uh, his whole take on just because it's nostalgic doesn't make it good is so true, and something that I've really experienced a lot in the last two years doing my other podcast. Because like, we'll start with a band like I'll I'll pick like I pick all the bands on that podcast that we talk about. And I pick them a lot of the times based on my own personal experiences with listening to them or the nostalgia I may or may not have had for them. And I hate to say it, but like a lot of the time I'll listen to it and be like, wow, this gives me a nostalgic feeling, but it's objectively not good. And uh, and so it was really cool just to just to hear just to hear him say that because it was very it was very validating for me. Now I wouldn't go as far as to you know say that you know all the new metal bands suck you know <laughs> which was something that was that was said or I'm sorry for the most part those bands that kids were into when they were younger the new metal bands are all actually not good. I disagree with that statement wholeheartedly. But maybe that's because I'm just one of those people.
0: I think it's got to be tough. I mean, the the thing is, is I mean, like I I kind of do wish that part of the Acacia Strain episode that I did with Vincent previously, where we talked, you know, ten years continent, looking back on ten years of the band, that record specifically, and so forth. I do kind of wish there was parts of that that I could have saved, uh, because I I feel like what's interesting is Vincent very much, you know, had made the comment that you know he he doesn't think nostalgia tours are are worth anything and you know that looking back and and celebrating something that already is as opposed to what was or what is currently you know kind of devalues what's going on because you know why if you're still a band that's moving forward then why would you want to look backwards um so, I mean, for for that, you know, I think we did kind of touch on it a little bit, though, in the fact that he was like, you know, we're playing a couple songs off of Conan, even though we just literally played the whole fucking record, and people were like, why aren't you playing this one, why aren't you playing that one, and it's like, dude, you just, <laughs> we just spent so much time playing that whole record, like, where the fuck were you, and I totally agree, but on the flip side of that, it's like, I feel like, that really shot Grey Bloom right in the ass because like they released Grey Bloom and then all of a sudden it's like now we're doing this ten year anniversary tour and then toured it a shitload and then now they're doing you know, going back to a normal touring cycle and it's almost time to probably start thinking about writing a new record and it's like Well, you didn't even really get to give the new record a fair shake because you were in the midst of all this nostalgia and it's like that's kinda gotta suck, like having one foot forward but taking two steps back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's kinda weird too you know and that a lot of people will request like play a song off your first album and then you start playing it and then they're like they have no idea what it even is Um, I found that interesting because like I know so many people that will tell me that they love a band and they loved them since their first album or whatever and then you kind of start realizing that like maybe they really only like like two or three of their albums later on but just feel like but feel like if they're going to ask the band something on social media that they have to like throw out some sort of like, Hey, look at me. I'm just from the beginning. I, I just, I don't know why, but I just thought that was hilarious. I will say
0: when I saw them, uh, they, I think the, yeah, no, literally the first song of their set was, uh, was a, uh, whoa, shut it down. And I like immediately like took off my glasses, my hat, like everything, handed it to my wife, went to go, <laughs> went to go crowd surf during that song but, like, the crowd was, like, so dispersed enough that by the time I got to an area where I was like, okay, like, I, I can crowd surf from here. I was a person yeah. away from the barricade, and I was like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty cool to see people, like, getting down to, like, hard bomb and brown noise and stuff like that. Like, I mean, I I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Like, because, you know, like, you know, we got- we've got we gotten to interview these bands. You know, they talk about, like, you know, playing songs, and people don't seem to give a shit about certain songs. And it's one of those things, like, I, I don't know if it's a geographical thing, because, like, I notice when the old songs get played, I notice the old dudes, like, and the old fans, like, seemingly getting into it. So I don't know if, like, we're the anomaly on the tour or what, but, like, I can definitely say, like, the old songs went over just as good as the new shit. And I don't know, it, it's it's really, it's just kind of, it's interesting to to be a fan of a band that's got 20, like, you know, like I said in the intro, I just went and saw Treyu and they played something, uh, a song I hadn't heard uh, since they had put out a Death Grip on Yesterday, and it was one of my favorite songs on that record, and they haven't played it, I think, since that album came out initially. And the crowd kind of was more or less like, meh, this is a song. And it, it kind of just becomes this thing where it's like, I guess, as, as bands continue to go on and you have such a, a wealth of, of you know discography to, to choose from, that inevitably you're going to appease some fans and and bum out others. And I don't know. Do you cater to the fans that have been around all the time, like this whole time? Or do you cater to the fans that are newer and probably keeping you relevant?
1: That's a tough question because the people that, that support your newer stuff are who's paying your bills, whereas, you know, the, the old fans are the old fans. Like, they're either die hard with you till the end, but typically die hard fans really aren't so die hard. They will turn on you in a second. Uh, if you, if you change at all. And so I, I think I'm not even trying to answer the question cause there is no answer, but, um, just that I, I think if it was me, I, I would just do whatever I wanted, <laughs> you know, which, which it appears to be, you know, the case.
0: And I did love the fact that, uh, they echoed, like, later that night, and you know, something I kind of mentioned on the Knock Loose episode, and that Brian mentioned, was that, you know, Vincent said that, you know, oh, uh, we're going to take it on this tour, and then when they were on that tour, he's like, you know, there's going to be a day you're going to take us out on tour. And what was cool, and I was actually saving it for this episode, is uh, during the Acacia Strain set, Vincent said that exact same thing. Like, he was like, we took this band out a couple of years ago on the, one of their first tours, and you know we were blown away by them and blah, 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 and like, I told them then we were going to open up for them at some point and you know they were like oh no you know you know that thanks but like you know that's never gonna happen and he's like and here we are and you know like you know they could have taken out anybody but you know they chose to to take us out and so forth and you know i just it was really cool between them harm's way and like everybody on that tour like you just really got this sense of of camaraderie and everyone like wanting to be on tour with one another and i think you know we, I've kind of lucked out recently that a, a lot of the interviews we've done where we get to interview like a, a half of a package or most of a package tour, everyone just gets along with everybody. And it just makes for such a great tour when everyone actually gives a shit about hanging out with the other bands. And man, I just I, I'm really like, I'm kind of bummed. Like I've I've realized in looking at tour dates and routing and so forth that a lot of the same tours I get to see you don't. Uh, like they come nowhere near you, and I always feel so right. bum because I'm like, man, I really wish you could go to this show too, or see this tour, and and see the camaraderie on these tours that I get to see firsthand.
1: Yeah, it's cool, and I really wish I could get back. I could I could see more shows. Unfortunately, a lot of the shows that I see are always like legacy bands, like the ones that go out on tour. I know legacy bands is like now in my vocabulary after the, uh, after the knocked loose <laughs> interview. But, uh, you know, I typically tend to see that. And so I think it's cool. Um, I think you've just got a much better music scene where you're at. Um, But it is cool seeing seeing the camaraderie and everybody just kind of being in it together and just being friends and hanging out and making the best of a situation, which, you know, may or may not go well. Like nobody really knows.
0: Speaking to the camaraderie, uh, we are going to end this episode as we always do by giving plugs and shout outs uh, to everybody. So, if you would like to keep up with the Acacia Strain, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Acacia Strain. If you would like to keep up with Vincent, you can find him on Instagram at Don't Call Me Vince and Twitter at X Diamond X. And if you would like to keep up with Tom, you can find him on Instagram at TomSmith687 and on Twitter at underscore TSmithWAVEWAV. And if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them on MetalNexus.net, Facebook at MetalNexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And Dan, where can everyone find you?
1: You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find me on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan. And uh, you can find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com.
0: And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us on
1: Facebook, Instagram, and
0: Twitter at BrewSpeakPod. If you would like to email us, you can find us at BrutallySpeaking at com. And if you would like to go to our YouTube, uh, one of the episodes we have coming up next is with Spencer from Periphery, and you will see the video of that, uh, please be kind. Uh, I know we did one from from ashes to new. You know we've done a couple, and uh, it's something we're trying to incorporate more, kind of give you that like you know in the room perspective. So uh, don't be shitty. <laughs> you know I try my best to sync up all the audio, but sometimes it is you know just a real pain in the ass. So don't leave a comment like who's cool, but the audio was like .000001 seconds off. But Uh, All that said, if you would like to keep up with us, simple enough, Brutally Speaking Podcast, Bruce Speak Pod, anywhere. Uh, And if you would like to be a show sponsor, you can email us at brutallyspeaking at gmail.com. And speaking of our show sponsor, uh, The Bean Bastard always takes care of us. You can find them at thebeanbastard.com. Facebook and Instagram are at thebeanbastard. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all next time.